Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Everybody, you're tuned into the three questions. I'm Andy Richter, and I'm talking to Lori Kilmartin today, who is a hilarious stand-up, was my uh, office neighbor for like nine years, something like that, wasn't it? I, yeah, I think so. I was yeah. down at the other end for a while, for a little bit, yeah. Right, right. I had you moved. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't stand the noise. Um <laughs> No, but uh, we are, I'm very happy to have Lori here. She's a, a hilarious, hilarious person and a very nice person. I mean, as far as I know. I mean, <laughs> do you ever really know your coworkers? We don't. And we shared a wall and I still feel like I don't know you. And I'm okay with that. Like, yeah. I, I don't need to know everyone's secrets or what right, they're right, really right. like. Oh, well, you're going to get them all today. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, I need to congratulate you, Emmy nominee. We just well, found I, that out this morning. Yeah, but I think it's just the show. Yeah, like, but it's, you made the show. Okay, yeah, know? we get to go then. No, Absolutely. we don't get to go, but we get to watch. With, Writers don't get to go? I I thought it would, right, the writing didn't get nominated, but the show did. So I yeah. think that's Conan and Jeff Ross and maybe oh. Matt O'Brien. I don't oh. know. I'm not well, buying a dress. I, 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 no I know, there's, there's part of me, there's part of me that's like, Hearing that, I'm kind of like, oh, don't I get to go? And then there's part of me that's like, shut up. <laughs> shut up. I don't, I don't go. Yeah. Is it just the producers that, that go? I'm when not it's sure. The, it, that's not also sure. vague. What if Conan wasn't allowed to go and it was just Jeff Ross? <laughs> <laughs> what a party. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Um, I mean, it's very exciting and it's very nice that we've been posthumously uh nominated yes. right <laughs> um, and and i mean and it's all really great but it is the and i always sound like such a dick and i've talked about this before but going to the end have you been to the emmys just once uh yeah. back in i think when we got nominated right after the tbs show debuted like yeah. maybe 2011 or 10 yeah. yeah i think that was probably the last time i went to and i've been a few times because we used to early on in the conan days we get nominated for writing almost every year yeah. And and we'd all it was fun. It was it was it was a fun weekend because we would all fly out on a red eye yeah. to to LA and then and all, <laughs> and all our writers I would get uh because I'm on camera talent, I would I would be entitled to a a, a first class seat. Sure. But, and I would split it into two business class seats for my then wife. And we would go together. And it was so funny because, like, I just remember one year, all our riders walking back into coach, <laughs> past, 
Past Chris Rock writers. Oh, no. <laughs> like, all the Chris Rock writers were in first class. Like, HBO had oh, been like, Oh, my God. Yeah, we're going to get your first class tickets. And they were all walking past, like, and some of them had been Conan writers. Oh, hilarious. Like, some of them had been former Conan writers. Sure. Because it's that, like, it's, you know, it falls into that gray area of whether they should buy a ticket or not. You know, it's like, it's, it's sort of extracurricular. Like, yeah. it's not necessarily a job thing. That you go to the Emmys and be there as now, a, as an employee of the show. Oh sure, but you got to go. You got to go when you're. Yeah, nominated. no, you got to go. But they don't have to fly yeah. to first class. Is my. Oh point. sure, but if it's yeah, like yeah. Modern Family, at some point maybe you don't got to go. <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, you just pick yours up ne- the next day at the office, but uh, you know, and yeah. and it seems like just not with our category, but with a lot of categories that. The Emmys are so far behind what's happening on television. Yes. You know, and even like stand up comedy specials, one of them was competing with a tribute to John Lewis. <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah. How, how is that happening? So we lost, just- we lost one year, and I thought we had a really good chance that year. We lost to um, an Eddie Izzard stand up hour. Like, we were wow. making TV at that point, like 47 weeks out of the year. And I was like, oh, come on. We work so... In fact, I think Chris Rock run wide, won writing once for his show and said, you guys should give one of these to Conan. Those <laughs> yeah, I guys remember. do all the work, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember but, that. Yeah, uh, it's, it, it's, it's always depressing. It's just, it's fun to be picked and then it's yeah. depressing when you're not, but, yeah, you know, yeah. oh, well. It's also weird because every time... Somebody wins that you don't like. You're like, oh, these things are bullshit. They don't mean anything. And yeah. then when somebody that you do like wins, you go, oh, justice. Yes, this now it's right. <laughs> you know, like it's it's they're yeah. only right when when I agree with them. So correct. <clears throat> well, um, enough about that. Emmys. Uh-huh. Um, how are you dealing with unemployment? Do you consider <laughs> yourself unemployed? Uh, yeah, I do. I have, I have some stand up work, you know, so I'm, uh, I've been doing some road work in July. Um, and, and that's been pretty cool. It's, it's also, I love it. And I, I just got back from Phoenix. I was in, uh, at a club called Stir Crazy in Glendale, Arizona last weekend. And I, the whole, the whole week proceeding, I was worried, like, can I do 50 minutes again? Like I've only done, you know, even live shows in LA, like 10 or 15 minutes at the most. And yeah. on Zoom, you know, Zoom doesn't count because you have, you could have your notes all over your computer. So, uh, but it, I was like, it's still there. And the crowds, you know, are still up and down. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's still a mixed bag. You know? <laughs> exactly. It's ultimately unsatisfying. <laughs> there are still audience-wide Amber Alerts going off on their phones during the show. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Well, it's Arizona. (laughs) It was a dust storm advisory. I was like, oh, wow. Dust storm. Mm -hmm. It would have been great if the dust storm had actually interrupted. Like if somehow the that's, whole club that's a hard one to combat. You can't have it removed. Uh, you just got to yep, perform you through can't it. Power through it. Yeah. Uh, well, that's good. That's good. I mean, how 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 did you feel as the show kind of wound down the Conan show? Um, I, I was, you, how long did you work there? Did you start I just, there? The I was with the CBS. No, I wasn't. I, oh, I started okay. at CBS. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was, um, I, I understood why, why it happened, you know, with, yeah. you know, everyone sort of pushed going to streaming and stuff. It, it, 
you know, it, it, I, I think I was sh- still in shock from visiting the studio to get my stuff and or visiting our offices. And then I just walked into the studio yeah. to check it out. And it was completely dismantled. Yeah. Just wood everywhere. Like yep. it, a bomb had blown off. And I was I think that really that really depressed me a lot. You know, like I, I wasn't able to take one last turn, you know, just to kind of have a few memories. I, I'm like, I don't even know where the monomark is. I don't know where any of my no. landmarks are. It's just, it's just completely destroyed. Uh, so, you know, and I wish we could have uh, ha- had more of a, you know, everyone there. And it, it, it yeah. just because of COVID and stuff, it was all, it was all still too careful and stuff. Um, yeah. Oh, well. Well, I actually kind of feel like, COVID changed the context of the end of the show in mm-hmm. a way that I think made it so out of the ordinary, the ordinary of the previous 10 years, that it was kind of less sad. You know, it's, yeah, it all right. was kind of like extra special, weird circumstances. Yeah. Whereas I think if we'd just been in the studio and the show just kind of kept going along and then just stopped. And then, you know, I, that to me seems like way more, I don't know. You know, there's something like something about a worldwide pandemic that really takes your mind off the fact that your talk show got canceled, you know, (laughs) know. stopped working or, yes, no, you're right. It it, it was just sort of like how people sort of, you know, just kind of peeled off and it's like, you you know, everyone's sending big emails to everybody, but it's like, oh, I probably not. Might not ever see you again. And I wish I'd known that the last time I saw you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know, I guess we all feel that way about a lot of things. But I think, I think, yeah, I see what you're saying. I mean, it, you know, what, what, what is it in the big picture of things? It's, it's, it's a talk show, you know, but uh, I mean, just for us personally, it's all, it it does become like a a family, especially this one. And um, so, you know, it, it, it kind of. I hope we can all see each other again before everyone just is flung out to all different parts of the world and maybe have a big rap party or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was that little one sort of after, you know. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, there was kind of a little one on premises, but mm-hmm. it was, I, I, you know, I, it's, I mean, what are you telling people? Like when people ask you like, what's going on with the next Conan show? What do you tell them? Uh, I say, I don't know. I don't think anyone knows, right? No, I know. And that's, I have so many people asking me as if it's like some sort of, there's some secret plot or something, you know, or like there's some, or there's even like a big struggle. It's like, no, no, just no one, they can't agree on what it's supposed to be. And so no one knows. And just, yeah. And I think everyone's so unsatisfying, you know, (laughs) everyone's just sort of decompressing this month anyway, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but uh yeah shoot oh, oh I, I i like somebody brought me up on stage another comic was like let's hear it for her she just got fired it's like <laughs> you know no one knows me and you don't have to could, could you not be interested right, in my right. employment situation right. who cares yeah yeah you got fired and then they took away the show too just as cover <laughs> Oh, they fired. fired me first. And yeah, then- yeah. <laughs> They're fired. Oh, and by the way, I kept walking around saying like, oh, shit, I forgot to give my my two weeks notice for the last two weeks. <laughs> I was going to say, ah, I'm out of here. Um, well, let's get to you and you, you especially. Yeah. Oh, come on. Mm. Do you not like talking about yourself? 
I don't know. There's not much here. I'm I'm a pretty shallow lady, so uh, you know it'll be it'll be quick. <laughs> There's not many nuggets of well, gold in this really little good. stream. <laughs> oh come on, that's not true. I mean, well, you can't be as funny and as good as you are doing what you do and be shallow. All right, you know what? It's not my um, call. I feel right, like right, it, right. Yeah. All right. Yeah, okay. yeah. Well, the, definitely the the uh, audience will decide. And you will find out. <laughs> I will make sure you know. Um, so you're from Northern California, correct? I'm from Walnut Creek, California. Is that yeah. a fancy town? It's. It wasn't when I was born there. It started getting fancier once they started uh, putting concrete over the creeks and cutting down the walnut trees. Then oh, Walnut boy. Creek really came into its own. Wow. Uh, so when I go back now, it 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 feel it feels like Pasadena at the moment. You know, yeah. it's it's very uh, it's like everyone buys their stuff a pottery barn there. It, it just feels like one of those cities, but it wasn't like when a, I was a yuppie kid. enclave of a yeah. outside mm-hmm. a metropolitan area. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, uh, but it was it was a lot of fun when I was growing up there. There was a railroad tracks so we had to cross every day to get to the swim club, and we you know walked to the club by ourselves on a uh, unpaved road and we you know walked on the railroad tracks to a candy store called Bumps and uh <laughs> bought uh, candy from an old man and yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was it was it, even though it was in California and it was in the bay area it felt maybe a little uh undeveloped uh, yeah, and at small that time. townish mm-hmm. yeah yeah and were you were you i mean you left but i mean were you happy there did you like did you start to get dissatisfied with being in a small town? Um, I, I, I left because, uh, just because of stand up. like, um, yeah. I, I started, um, well, I mean, I, I grew up there, uh, went to school, to university very quickly, dropped out, went back home to sort of like lick my wounds and figure it out. And then, uh, I, I left kind of for good, I guess in 98. Uh, but that's just for, comedy purposes and and part of me would love to go back one day when I'm really old because I miss Mount Diablo and I miss those you know whatever you grew up with those landmarks I I miss them a lot you know yeah. and I'd like to see them again and um walk around the hills and stuff like a salmon <laughs> yeah you turn there sure, to die like yeah just whenever <laughs> squirt out a bunch of eggs and just die <laughs> yeah for sure so um yeah, I, I I I love it, and I miss it. Even though it it got a lot richer and wealthier after yeah. I left. Did um and your folks uh your dad was some kind of engineer that traveled a lot. <laughs> yeah, that. he was um he was a civil engineer, and um uh he after, there was a um a, a terrible recession in the late seventies, and mm-hmm. my dad lost his job at Bechtel, and then. He just started um, going overseas for work. Like he worked in the Philippines. He worked in Saudi Arabia. He he worked in Nicaragua during the um, Civil War, and oh, wow. like his he was in a helicopter that was being shot at because government forces thought they were Sandinistas. Which oh. <laughs> my dad, not a Sandinista, folks, so very Republican. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so he was gone from. A lot when I was from age, for me, age 12 to say, you know, when I got out of high school. So I definitely missed him. And, you know, uh, like many young girls without their father figure turned to the wrong person (laughs) for a father (laughs) figure. And then that led to lots of therapy. So, you know, whatever. Um, uh, How, I mean, how long would he be gone at a time? Um, 
six to six months to maybe a year. And again, this is like the late seventies, early eighties. So, you know, uh, telephone calls were like impossibly expensive. And my dad would just send us these blue airmail letters, but he wrote, it was illegible. I I don't know what, you know, I don't know if he said, (laughs) I love you or I was, you know, I'm being killed. I don't, I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but um, so the communication was pretty sparse, yeah. you know, uh, back then. How was you, how did your mom deal with that? So, and our, our, first of all, I don't. Do you have any siblings? I don't. know. I do. I have a sister. She's a child psychiatrist. Uh huh. And is she older, uh, or younger? She's younger. She's younger. in uh, in Portland, Oregon. Okay. Um, my mom uh, was pretty depressed, and yeah. then um, I I know she did more than this, but. After, when my dad was gone during, I mean, when early childhood, she was kind of, you know, fun and fine. And then uh, having the whole <clears throat> burden of these two teenage daughters growing up, you know, and taking care of them by herself probably wasn't her, you know, she probably needed help. She was in the backyard pulling rocks out of the dirt. Like we had a, so she used to like take the milk cartons and bring them out with her in the backyard. And she would just pull rocks out of the dirt to, I don't know. I don't know if she was going to start a farm, if that was her intention, but she spent a lot of time out there. What were the milk cartons the backyard. for? Did she like plant things in the milk carton? And No, no, no. The milk cartons were to put the rocks in. So she, 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 you know, get a spoonful or a, a, a cupful of dirt and pull the rocks at it, drop it in the milk carton. And then she would take the milk carton and move the rocks to the front yard where she had organized the rocks, where she wanted them to be like, kind of like in the, like in a gravelly area. Wow. <clears throat> Wow, that's like a, a like one of those uh, you know specifically uh, Greek tortures down in in Hades. You know? <laughs> You're right. <laughs> and the next morning, all the rocks are in the backyard. <laughs> my God! But my mom was from Chicago, so I, I didn't know if that was a Chicago thing. Maybe you'd go, "Oh yeah, I used to do that as a kid." Oh yeah, yeah, that's called uh, uh, rock transporting. <laughs> Hey, you're rocking the backyard. <laughs> Common in Darien, sure. Yeah, yeah. I did uh, when I one of the kid farm jobs around us was called. They called walking beans, which just meant before they planted the beans and they had turned over the soil, you just walked through a field and picked up every rock that had been unearthed. Oh, it was a shitty job. Just yeah, like, sounds you know, like an awful. Yeah, job. yeah, yeah. No, there were lots of those. Not as bad as baling hay. Baling hay was bad. Baling hay just, and especially because I'm allergic, it was just impossible. Oh, that's awful. I would imagine, though, good for your core if, I mean, if you're not allergic, (laughs) right? Baling hay. Yeah, but I had no idea what, I had no form back then. (laughs) Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! (laughs) And outrun a few! 
drive the Nissan Rogue. Hi, I'm comedian Eliza Schlesinger, and I've got my podcast, Ask Eliza Anything, where you can submit me your burning life questions, and I will give you real advice. Go to Denver, be young, get you a black lab named Bailey, and she'll be like, well, then just have it anyway, and then you'll be like, it tastes like blood, please don't... We moved. We moved and my husband died. I'm not here. I died too. You know, when people's like, happy holidays from the Thompsons. What they're really saying is, look how great we look. We're all still alive. And we're all wearing blue jeans. You're looking at us. Listen to Ask Eliza Anything wherever you get your podcasts. Can't you tell my love's a growing? Do you want to talk about when he said that your dad being gone, you sought out the wrong kind of father figure? Do you want to? Specify that a little oh, more. Oh, sure. I mean, it, 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 he's in jail. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> no, he was my swim coach, and he ended up being like um, a serial child molester for oh God. Uh, 30 plus years. And he was only caught like in 2008 is when they actually pinned him down. And he, and, and it almost exactly like the Catholic church, how they'd move uh, priests around. They would just let coaches get new jobs. And, you know, the parents didn't really know how to have a way to connect with the parents from the previous club. They'd move out of state or just, you know, move far enough away where no one was really talking or, you know, every parent thought their daughter was the only one this happened to. And they did, you know, they were just if they even knew. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? um, so he was a le- he was able to, uh, you know, pre- pre- predate or predatorize or I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Pray, uh, you know, uh, prey upon, you know, generations of uh, female swimmers. Jesus sadly. Christ. Yeah. That's unbelievable. And then some awesome 14 year old. Um, that he uh, molested um, during a massage. She was famous for giving massages before your race. <laughs> you know, I mean, when you say it out loud, you're like, oh, know, this sounds terrible. But yeah. at the time, you're like, you know, yeah, okay, I guess so. Um, and uh, she told an adult, and it, it, it went on from there. And then um, they started calling around to other, you know, previous swim teams to find out if they're, you know, because there always is more. And there was so many more. It was unbelievable. So he was sentenced to 40 years in prison, which is like a really, a really long. I mean, he'll die there because he was in his 70s when he was sentenced. But um, usually they don't they don't seem to get that that kind of a sentence. So it it was satisfying. But, you know. So did your disillusionment start because you said he wasn't really caught until later. Did your disillusionment with, with him kind of start while you were still there? Like, did you start to smell a rat or, you know? I think after some stuff happened to me, then I was uh, like, uh, okay. uh, yeah. Um, so, and then it was weird because I, like, I'd see him having other jobs and I'd be like, they got to know, right? Because yeah. I had tried to tell people and no one seemed to care almost to the point where I thought, oh, I guess it's, I didn't realize it was illegal. I just thought, I just thought it was bad, Yeah, <laughs> you know? And, uh, so, uh, yeah, when when um, when they started bringing charges against them, you know, so, so many of us were like, "Oh yeah!" Not only can I tell you what happened to me, I know two other girls, you know. I'll, I'll, and, and again, I had, I had tried to tell some adults, or I had, and no one really seemed to do anything at the time. This was like the uh, mid '80s yeah. when I tried to tell. So, 
And has it, I mean, has it, did that have a lot of repercussions? I mean, I mean, obviously it had some, but you know, but it's kind of a variable amount. It seems to be with victims of that kind of abuse. Well, let's, well, I've never been married or had a successful relationship with a man and I'm a female comic. So I don't think so. I think I bounced back pretty well. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I work every night possible, so there's no way anyone could be close to me. So I think I, I think I got it under control, Andy. Didn't affect right. my life at oh, all. Oh, good. Good job. Hey, <laughs> you really found a great way. You should be on Oprah and tell her about your coping mechanisms. <laughs> Become a stand-up. Push it all into a box. <laughs> if you can turn it into a joke, it was worth it, yeah. you know? <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, my. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, <laughs> that's kind of become your specialty. I know, I you know. know. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of... You know, I mean, we'll get into it later, but I mean, you, you know, you have yeah. like albums and books about, uh, you know, people in your life dying and, you know, mm-hmm. and the hilarious takes you have on the death of loved ones. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, now, so did you, you swam in school? Did you swim in college? What happened in college? You, I did. I swam at UCLA for a year, but I yeah. dropped out my freshman year, uh, just, uh, I think the buildup of stuff with my old coach and then I had some uh, unchecked bulimia that was like out of control when I went Mm -hmm. to college. It was one of those things where I'm like, as soon as I get away from my my parents or as soon as I get away from the house and go to college, I'm sure this will stop. Yeah. You know, and it, of course it got worse <laughs> to the point of where I wasn't, I was just going to swim practices and then staying in my dorm room and, you know, uh, getting eating and getting rid of food the entire time. So oh my grades were going down the toilet. And, I, and then again, I was like, all right, I'm just going to drop out and I'm going to get this under control and I will be back uh, in three months. <laughs> and then I never came back. So uh, I, I might still be enrolled at UCLA. I'm not really sure. <laughs> You'd be getting bills. You'd be getting bills <laughs> if you were. Yeah, yeah. So, so what do you do? You go back home and mm-hmm. and just kind of regroup. Are you thinking? Yeah, I, I gotta, went home. I got to make all this into jokes. So <laughs> far, yet. it's been a bummer. <laughs> uh, um, went home uh, to regroup, um, and then uh, I couldn't regroup. Like I just couldn't. It was almost like, you know, there's like things have spilled out of a bag and you're like, well, let me just put these back in the bag and go on my way. And instead, more things started spilling out. And then mm-hmm. I'm just surrounded by garbage <laughs> and I can't and I can't and I don't know what to do. So uh, I, I I read this book by this lady named Janine Roth and it was called Breaking Free from Compulsive Eating. And it was really important to me because it was I, I had so many rituals and um so it was a way to sort of uh, just undo those if you could, as much as I, I could by myself. And so part of it was like letting yourself eat as much as you want, you know, keep it inside you. And uh, if you gain weight, you gain weight. It won't be forever, probably. Yeah. And so I I had quit swimming and I gained like 60 pounds in two months. And oh, I, wow. it was terrifying. I was like, when is this going to stop? And then it kind of were leveled you eating, off. Were you eating excessively or were you just, Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Because it was always like, oh, I'm not going to let myself have that. And then I would eat and have it later, but I would feel awful about it. So, yeah. so then it, so then I would say, all right, I'm just going to eat this in front of people. If my mom walks by, I'm just going to keep eating it. I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to do it late at night. And so it was, it's, you know, slowly just not getting rid of the shame of eating in front of people. And, you know, although I still don't love to eat in front of people. I don't like a witness <laughs> to the crime of eating. But, yeah, um, yeah. No, but I, um, I, I know what you mean. <laughs> but um, so that's that started to help. And then and then uh, when the weight gain kind of plateaued, um, I, I, I was like, okay, I felt like I, you know, like touched the bottom a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I don't know, I was kind of working like these awful little jobs. I was uh, a telephone solicitor. I was, um, uh, I worked uh, as a house cleaner and stuff like that, just trying to figure it out, not sure what was happening. And then I started to go see stand-up comedy uh, in San Francisco. I drive out at night um, to the city uh, and just see tons of stand-up and I kind of fell in love with it. And then, um, uh, was that a pre-existing thing? Had you always kind of liked it or had an interest in it or it just, no, it just uh-uh. hit you? Yeah. No. I mean, honestly, most of the comics I saw were guys. And so I didn't yeah. go, Oh, oh I got to do that. And, um, even though I lo- like, I love Steve Martin, I didn't think, Oh, I could do that, you know? Yeah. And, um, and Joan Rivers was like pretty famous at when I was growing up, but I, I wasn't like, that wasn't. I didn't connect with what she was doing, yeah. you know? I felt yeah. like it was a lot of, like, I don't need to go on stage and tell people I hate myself. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> you know, like, right. uh, I do that 24 hours a day anyway. I don't need to <laughs> And And I mean, and jo- she was kind of old-fashioned. Even yeah, yeah, forever, yeah. Oh, it was a very old-fashioned kind how of. She, how she came up and what she was allowed to talk yeah. with and about and in the way that you were allowed to talk about being a woman in the 60s was, you mm-hmm. know, how, Total, you know, I I get what she did and everything, but it didn't make me go, oh, me too. I want to do that too. Um, but then I just started seeing some standups in San Francisco, and then then I saw some that weren't that good, and I was like, oh, I think I could be better than that person, and and that's kind of what got me tr- interested in trying open mics. And it was still a long time because I wanted to be thin first. You know, I still had that in my head. I still have it in my head. Um, but uh, you know, I got up on stage heavy. You know, and I didn't make fat jokes about me. Yeah. I made jokes about the names of the stores I was allowed to shop at. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, and I was like, yeah, it, it, I don't know. It was just like a slow sort of thing, but I really enjoyed it and I loved it. And I think part of um, what helped me lose some obsession with food and that counting calories and just the keeping track and all that kind of stuff was that I had something really um, exciting to look forward to and to work on and to practice, you know, and mm-hmm. it filled some hole, uh, that hadn't, that, that was before just a gaping wound. So. Okay. Yeah. When you, when you came back home, I mean, was your dad there or was he still kind of on the road and. My dad stopped doing road, like the, those kind of road trip road trips. Um, you know, like six months uh, in in countries that were they were never safe countries too because he was always building infrastructure. So it was always bridges you know, and shit like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah and yeah. so it was you know uh, it was always stuff where there where the government was a little dodgy and you mm-hmm. you know 
you worried for his safety. Um, I guess in his uh, in my mid twenties, he sort of came okay. back to the states for good and found local work, enough local work to cover cover things. But when when you came home from college, I mean, what was mm-hmm. the situation like? Did did you find a supportive environment? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. My dad drove down in the Chevy Chevette and picked me up and came okay. back. He didn't ask any questions, but that was more, you know, I don't know. He was being supportive, but also he could have asked one or two questions. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. That's the, it was his style, right? So it was a style. And it's also, I think uh, that is the water that a lot of, the, that's the level that a lot of dads water seeks. Yes. It's just yes. kind of like, I know you're in trouble. I love you. I'm here and you need to drive a ride somewhere. Okay. You know, <laughs> yeah, but I really, I don't know what to say about it. Cause I don't know what to say about it. You know? Right. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. So, it was, a, it was a lot of, uh, uh, had I unloaded everything, you know, and maybe I did tell him stuff later. I, I know he knew stuff later, but it was more than he was emotionally trained to cope with for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, so what do they think when you start saying, I'm going to be a stand-up comedian? Um, I think at that point I was, I was, I was, I was, they were so worried about me that anything that I felt excited about, they were yeah. happy about. Yeah. My, and my dad was, you know, here's the thing. My dad was gone for so much during key years that um, I I lived at home for 10 more years after that because I just kind of wanted to like have those seven years I was supposed to have, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, with them. Yeah. So, so even though I, I started getting more work as a stand-up, I didn't like move to LA like everybody did, my, like my class did, you know? Yeah. Um, I stayed back and uh, it, I, maybe it was a bad career choice, but I, you know, I, I do feel like I got I got those teenage years in my twenties with my dad. So that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah, no, that's, that's pretty important. And especially mm-hmm. if it worked out that way, I mean, it would have sucked if, you know, you'd stuck around for seven years and you didn't, you know, you didn't have much fun with him. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Did you, did you get along a lot better with your dad than with your mom? Yeah. You know, I mean, I think uh, the mother daughter relationships really, mm-hmm. uh, really tricky. <laughs> yeah. Really tricky. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, my mom was uh, um, uh, probably a little in emotionally invasive. And I'm still like she died a year ago and I'm still trying to understand who she was and what it all what what our relationship was. You know what I mean? Yeah, now that yeah. she's not here, I have like room to evaluate a little bit. And, uh, you know, well, you know, her could- intentions were really good. You know, her uh, like, you know, everyone else in her family, the execution wasn't, you know, great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All the um, time. But and well, it is kind of like and especially since you're a mother, you do end up kind of feeling like, well, this is my model, you know, like this is my model for that particular, you, you know, that kind of parent. Yeah. Um you know, so it, it, yeah, it's, you, you do end up sort of, it's way more, I, you know, we have, my ex-wife and I have a boy and a girl, and I definitely think that there's something, there's just less clutter in the emotional relationship between me and my daughter mm-hmm. and between her and my son. I, you know, although yeah, I- it all gets the tumult of different ages all yeah. shakes it all up anyway. So who knows? I do. Yeah. I do feel like um, 
yeah, I had a boy. I have a son. So I I don't, you know, the, I think the part of the parent that wants a do-over in their life, they they apply that to the same gender child, you know? Yeah. And um, so I guess I didn't have that outlet with my son. You know, I was more like, well, let's see how this turns out. I have no idea what boys are like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. And yeah, versus yeah. girls, I would have been like, uh, I, I, you know, I know it can go wrong. And, I, you know, and I would have probably projected a lot of my shit onto it. Yeah, yeah. I think that that I think that's I think that that's probably well first of all I think women think about parenting about 6000% more than men <laughs> think about parenting when they're right. parents, you know. Yeah. I, I mean parents, you know, not like just men like that are in their, you know, late 20s and thinking possibly about having I mean guys that have four kids don't think about parenting much sometimes. Right. Um but I do think that you do, there's so much like wrapped up in just the self-identification and the fear of fucking it up. And like you, you put it perfectly, like you feel like you could fuck up a girl, but cause it's a boy. There's no, what are you going to do? That might as well be a horse or a fish, I, you know, I, what the, know, I don't exactly. know how to raise those things. I know. know. I'm like, I'm all ears. What do you want? Uh, <laughs> you tell me I'm yeah, just yeah. here. <laughs> want to make guns out of everything. All right. I guess that's your thing. Um, <laughs> I read about this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what is it? I mean, when you get on stage, is it, you know, the first few times the time, you know, when you really start to, cause I mean, there's the time when you're sitting in the audience, you think I can do this, mm -hmm. but then there's a different time when you're on stage and you're like, I think I can do this. And that even has steps. Cause you can think, I, I think I can do this. And then two years later, you're still feeling like, I think I can do this, but it's just a bigger, more, you know, I mean, I didn't do stand up, but I definitely know in making a living at show business, there were times early on, I'm like, I think I can do this. And then it'd be another five years. And I'd be like, no, no, I really think I can. And it was a more <laughs> evolved one and a more yeah. sort of like real one. Whereas the first one seemed in retrospect, desperately naive. Like the thought that I could do this from where I was sitting was ridiculous, mm -hmm. you know, knowing how hard it is. And what was, what was it like? And when was it that you think you felt first felt that on stage? Well, you know, it's, I remember thinking, uh, not that I would be, be a famous comedian. I was like, if I could only just be comfortable on stage, like these people are, you know, yeah. I was so uncomfortable talking to people and I didn't know how to, and I, you just see these, these comics, you know, entertaining a crowd, they go into the audience, they go back to their set at the, and I didn't know exactly even what that was, you know, I just yeah. was like, this is magical. How did they do this? And. Uh, so I thought if I could get to that point and be that, be like that on stage, all of my other problems would be solved, right? I wouldn't, you know, all all my stuff would be back in the bag, right? You know? right. So, <laughs> um, uh, it's all crowd work. If you just get <laughs> crowd work down. <laughs> and um, my first time on stage was. Um, I brought everyone. It was it was what they now call a bringer show, where you 
as a comic, have to bring the audience. So yeah. I, I did, they wasn't named that at the time. And I just brought everyone from my management consulting stand-up com, or excuse me, telemarketing uh, department yeah, <laughs> to yeah. see the show. And uh, I, I, there was Ernest Borgnine, you know, Ernest sure. Borgnine, right? So he had a wife and her name was Tova Feldsha. Yes. And she had was, a make. I was just about to make the joke. Oh, you mean Tova Feldsha's husband. <laughs> I don't even know who she, like, I just heard, because my mom bought some of her makeup once, there was just tons of catalogs all over the house. So She had a a makeup line and a a wig line, possibly? Probably, yeah. Yeah. So uh, all he did was bring up one of her brochures and make fun of it, right? And that kind of... I got a good response and I was like, oh, this is, I got this. And then the next week I came back with the same thing, but no audience. And I, and I bombed and I was, and then I, then I was like, uh, you know, uh, thrown for a loop and almost checked myself into a hospital. It was so painful and shocking, you know, like, cause if you kill the previous you think you figured it out. And right. then like, if I had gone up and just bombed the first time, I just, Maybe I wouldn't have been so shocked, but mm-hmm. um, the disparity between the two audience responses was uh, very disturbing. Yeah. Uh, and then I started, and I took a year off <laughs> uh, and took a stand-up comedy classes. Um, oh, okay. Various places in San Francisco. And that really helped a lot and made me feel more prepared, I guess. Yeah. So what ended up making you move? Oh, oh. I guess I felt like I'd done enough. I was 34. I mean, at some point you shouldn't be living with your parents, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I and and uh, I was on the road a lot. It wasn't like home a lot, you know, at, at the at the end. And uh, but it was I was so tired, and I I wasn't being I wasn't moving up, right? Mm-hmm. And I wasn't getting TV spots, or I wasn't getting all the things you're supposed to get in order to move up to the next, like to headline, you know? Yeah. Uh, and uh, I did Montreal, uh, New Faces, and uh, a lady who was my agent for a little bit said you should move to New York, and I was and I was like, okay, well, a New Yorker said I should move to New York, and yeah, that was yeah. enough for me, and so I did. Uh, yeah. And were you? Did you? Was that validated immediately? Like, did you feel like this is a good thing? And yeah. Did you when like I, it? Did you? Like I it? loved it. Oh, good. I um. Yeah, I mean, from Walnut Creek to Manhattan, it was yeah. a huge jump. And I, I stayed with my friend Ray James. He had a, uh, he was renting, a, a, you know, like a place that must be worth millions now. But mm-hmm. it was in Williamsburg in 98. Yeah. So uh, it wasn't worth much at all. And um, so he let me stay with him. And I, I, you know, took the subway for the first time and just all this, all this first time stuff. And I, I, I'm like, is this is magical. I can't believe I'm here. I'm allowed here. And, uh, then I, um, uh, I went back home to, to like collect myself. And then I, around six months later, I moved out there. Yeah. Oh, cool. That's great. And, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> what is your, were they like finally, or did they, <laughs> <laughs> we want to use that room. Nope, they never used the room. My dad always wanted me to move back home. And when oh, I wow. had my kid, he's like, you guys could live here. He was, he was, uh, you know, you guys could stay forever. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it, yeah. It just felt like, you know, as a grown up at some point, it was time to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places. 
Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Ashley's Memorial Day mattress sale is going on now. Save big on select adjustable mattress sets up to $1,200 on Beautyrest Black, up to $800 on Purple, and up to $500 on Tempur-Pedic. Plus, get 72-month special financing with select in-store mattress purchases made with your Ashley Advantage Synchrony credit card between May 14th and June 3rd. Visit your local Ashley store or ashley.com for better sleep and savings. Only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. No minimum purchase required. See store for details. Can't you tell my love's a growing? I mean, do you start headlining at that point or? A little bit, but um, I'm more, uh, I just, I I stopped taking road work almost exclude uh, And I, and uh, I, I, this is like late nineties. So um, I, I had a website, you know, I was like one of the first comics to have my own website and I coded it myself. I mean, HTML, not like real coding languages or anything, right. but um, back then, if you just knew enough HTML to throw a page together, you could get work uh, like $25 an hour. I was paid in 99 to work for a couple of media companies. So that was my day job in Manhattan, which is, I, I couldn't believe I was, I had a job in Manhattan yeah. and, uh, and then at night I would do spots. And, uh, so I, uh, I just thought, well, let me just stay here for a year or two or whatever, and just, you know, get my claws in this scene and become part of this scene. Um, uh, so that was my, that was my goal. And then I, I kept up some road work so I wouldn't lose my long set chops, I guess, but mostly I, I tried to, turn myself from a road comic to a, a New York City comic, you yeah. know, which is so different. And it took a while and it was painful. And, you, <laughs> and can you make a living as a New York City comic, you know, that at the same level that you would be as a, as a road comic? I mean, um, if you're working weekends, I think you can make enough money if you're, you know, you're in rent stabilized housing, <laughs> you know, like. I mean, you have to work every weekend and you have to be one of those comics that gets like six to eight spots on Friday and Saturday. And then you just boom, 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 boom. And it's exhausting. Um, And you just pick up a little cash from each one, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know many that only do that, though, that I mean, everyone sort of tries to balance it out with road work. And, you, you know, if you lose a club or two, if the booker changes or someone gets annoyed with you, then all of a sudden you have no income, you know, because you're every week you find out that week if you're going to be making money. (laughs) You know, it's it's stand up comedy because you usually the avails are done a week in advance. So it sounds so I mean, like I say, I'm not a stand up, but and I guess. You know, like my parents would ask me when I was, you know, working basically freelance, you mm-hmm. know, and I wasn't working on the Conan show and I'd be working on a show and they'd say, what, what, have, you know, what happens when this ends? And I'd be like, I don't know, you know, and they, that would blow their minds because they just couldn't conceive of, of living like that. But to me, like even like just to make a regular thing out of week to week of like, am I going to go to Baltimore and do whatever three sets a day for four days. Like I, I just feel like that's so much, that's so much 
instability. Stress and instability yeah. and stuff. And I guess, and there's just something like, I get, why do you think it, what's, what do you think it is about it that's such a draw to people? Because, you know, the, the standups that we know are just a tiny sliver of all these like real working class comics that are doing this over and over and over. To me, it's still exciting that you can get on a plane, fly to, fly to a place, do a bunch of shows, and leave with money. I yeah. like I even just this last weekend, I'm like, I did it again. <laughs> like I can't believe I'm still allowed. And that's those things are usually booked a couple months in advance, you know. Uh-huh. But the New York thing is, you know, it's even more exciting when it's all happening because you know, you, you got to give yourself about an hour between each set, you know, but sometimes mm-hmm. you're like, oh, if these clubs are close together. Uh, I can do one set at 10 and one set at 1040, but everything has to run on time. So you get to the club at 950 and they're running five minutes over and you're like, I, my heart out is 1020 and I can't get out any later than that. So they either get the other person off or you go up and you do less time and then you run to your next club set. And then you, and then you, you know, you have them around the clock as many as you can, because they're, you know, if it's Friday or Saturday, they're between 80 to 100 and I don't know what the seller pays, but say at least 125 a set. So if you can start at, you know, with an early show, you know, say six o'clock and go till 2 a.m., you might be able to get, you know, six or eight sets in, you know, depending on how far apart they are, you know, like it was a good, uh, there was always a good run. If you could do the comic strip, which was on 82nd and second and stand up New York, which was on 79th and Broadway, because you could just go right through the park and they were 10 minutes apart. So you could do like an eight o'clock at the strip and get a get off stage by eight fifteen eight twenty. Grab your cash, run into a cab, and be at stand up for your eight forty. And then wow. you could go back to the strip for their next show and back to stand up for the next show because they would each have usually at that time, you know, three shows a night, right? Yeah. So you just bing 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 bing, and all you would spend is your cab fare, and the rest of it is cash you could keep. And that's always exhilarating. I mean, it's so yeah. stressful. And when I like, I used to always do that as much as I could. And then when I would you know, came out to LA for Conan and I would go back to New York just to, you know, do that. Um, I, I, I realized, wow, this is really stressing me out. And before I didn't even notice, I'm like, that's how you live. This is it. Right. Right. Um, so, uh, I stopped being as aggressive of, I gotta fill, I gotta have one spot an hour. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, it, it is very tiresome and, and you aren't necessarily getting good work done on your act. You're just trying to not, you know, Especially if you're like you're at a club on the eight o'clock show, then you go do a set in another club, then you come back for the ten o'clock. It feels like you're, you know, did I already tell this joke to this audience because I was just on this stage, you know, an hour and fifteen minutes ago, and, yeah. and you can't remember. So you, for me, I would have I would go. This is my set list for the night, and I'm telling these jokes in this order eight times tonight. Wow. <laughs> and I can't deviate because I, uh, otherwise I, I will probably ended up repeating something or go insane. Do you, I I was going to ask, and you alluded to it a little bit there. Does it hurt? Does all that stress and all that rush, does it hurt the the work? I don't know. I don't think so. I feel like the audience is as stressed, but in different reasons. Like we're all just sort of, you know, this high anxiety. I, I, 
I think on the weekends, that's it's like your money gigs. So yeah. artistically, maybe you're not going to come up with new tags. Maybe you might, but maybe you, you probably, you know, you're just banging stuff out and trying to get off on time, get off yeah. and get to the next thing on time. And the weeknights are a little more, you know, you got one spot, you got two, and they're two hours apart, and they're in different boroughs. And, yeah. you know, the, the crowd is weird because only weird people come out to the Tuesday night show, which is good. It's just fun. You need some weird people. You want you don't want every crowd to be date night from New Jersey, which yeah. is Friday and Saturday. Yeah. Uh, that's New Jerseyist. Uh, I'm <laughs> I, I told uh, you before I, I consented to do this podcast, I would come <laughs> after them. <laughs> Um, I wonder, like, are you thriving on that anxiety and that stress? Like, is that part of what you like about it? And if so, do you know why? Do you ask yourself why or, you know? Um, I, I think at the, you know, at the time it, it just, it made, it made me feel like a real comedian, yeah. you know? And I guess it still does. Cause you always, you kind of always feel like you can get kicked out of stand-up comedy, you know, pretty quickly, you know, all it takes is everyone not returning your phone call. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, for whatever reasons. And, um, and so I, I personally, I, I'm not at like this level where I feel where I'm completely safe in my career. So I'm always, I'm always like, I, I did it again. I, I was a comic for another week. Ha! You know, it feels yeah, like yeah. I, I played a trick on the expectations I grew up with, and and maybe you know the the um, the 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 track that I was on, which was you know, which is the track that all the girls I grew up with was on was on and were mm-hmm. on, and I went a little bit different, and I'm and I'm still able to pull it off. Why? And this is always something, and I I may have even asked you at one point because whenever we did road shows, whenever we went to New York or wherever Dallas mm-hmm. or Chicago. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. Comic-Con mm-hmm. you, the first night, you know, we'd have like, there'd be a dinner planned and then it'd be, <laughs> you would be like through with your appetizer and be like, gotta go do two sets. <laughs> and I always would sit there and think, what are you getting out of that? Like, <laughs> right. And I don't know. And that's, I, know. I, I think it's also too, it's like, I like what I do for a living and at times I love what I do for a living, but it's still work. And I was raised that work is supposed to be something that you don't, you avoid, you know, like you don't like eagerly ask for more, you know? (laughs) Well, I guess it feels stand up feels different from, from Conan, you know, yeah, in terms yeah. of like a thing I do. And also you, there were many times where I'm like, why am I leaving this dinner? Yeah. <laughs> why am I darting away? Like it is um, a habit you get into and, and the, and the constant feel like I, I, if I have a night off, I'm a loser. If I have new year's Eve off, I'm a loser. I'm not in the business anymore. And uh, so it, yeah, that's just like an old thing of, of when you start doing your open mics, if you have every night filled, yeah. you know, then you it's, feel good. Yeah, you feel good, and it's. Yeah. And I mean, I'm obviously since uh, COVID and the you know pandemic, I do feel a little differently about like oh, I'm going to dash off and you know run out again. Uh, I I kind of probably won't be doing that as much. I do you know cherish, and I've I've spent the whole year home with my son, and it's been awesome. You know, yeah. so I don't I don't want to run out all the time. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's nice that you got to have that. I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's um, great. Thank you, pandemic. Um, <laughs> it giveth and it taketh away. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, uh, how do you start writing for, you didn't write for Conan first. You wrote 
for a couple other shows first, right? Uh, Tough Crowd was my first writing job. Oh, with Colin Quinn, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And was that, did you just, did he hire you from the clubs or did you submit a packet to producers or? Pack, yeah, a packet. Um, I met him, we we did a show uh, for Comedy Central at Gitmo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you can't find it, by the way. <laughs> <Me> uh, <slap laughs> it's, it's been taken off the air and burned, but um, uh, like Lenny Clark was on it. It was a, it was a fun show. Yeah. Um, we just didn't know we were entertaining torturers at the time, but right, um, <laughs> right, right. oh, it's it, you were entertaining the troops, not the actual prisoners, uh, <laughs> correct? <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, yeah. I get it now. It's yeah. a different, it's a different mind picture, right? Right, um, so uh, so I met him there and I heard about the show, and then um, uh, he hired a ton of comics to write for him, and uh, I hadn't thought of myself as a writer, even though I wrote a lot of like little stuff for my website. But um, mm-hmm. but then some of the comics, I was like, I don't think that person's a writer. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's more of a performer. And then I thought, oh, well, if if that's the bar, maybe I could write something that'd be enough to get hired. And so yeah. uh, that sort of let me uh, allowed me to dream that I could do that as well. And mm-hmm. I definitely wanted to be part of that crew because that was like to me that was like the top crew in new york city it was like the seller crew oh yeah and uh i wanted to be a part of that world desperately in, in with the in crowd yeah 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 um, and and that and and i met what did i mean were you like wow i can make jokes and get a decent living here without having to run all over town um yeah, I mean, I ran over. I I worked more spots than ever when I was a tough crowd. Oh, like wow. I would, because I got past at the cellar, and she would have me MC, and I would, that goes till two in the morning, and then you got to be a tough crowd at like you know nine thirty a.m. And but I was like, this is great, you know, work me till I'm dead. I, if I can work, do spots every single night, and then Monday through Friday be a tough crowd. I was like, this is the dream. I yeah. I was like, I I'm living the dream. I am in Manhattan. It's all happening, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I, I was exhausted. <laughs> I was exhausted at that time, but I loved it. And and how did and how does Conan come about? Just an agent submitting? Uh, no, I had submitted for late night, and I had submitted for the Tonight Show, uh-huh. and then um, uh, I was out here. I had just gotten recently fired from the Bonnie Hunt show, and um, uh, and then I was I did Last Comic Standing. There was like this little. Three months of where I did, I was a contestant on Last Comic Standing. And uh, then you guys were hiring. And Kylie told me. Kylie was always, like, the one going, hey, we're hiring. Uh, and so he uh, let me know. And I did a, a third packet. And I guess that was enough. Oh, wow. That's mm-hmm. great. And um, what was it like? Was, was that Did that move that move you to L.A.? Had you moved No, to I LA? was already out here for uh, the Bonnie Hunt show. Oh, okay. And uh, and what was it like coming into the Conan crew? Oh I mean, my god! Like it was in, in comparison terrifying. to all the different places that you've worked. Yeah, I mean, because to me, the the um, not not to say like tough crowd wasn't like a uh, I mean, it wasn't like a writer's medium. It was a performer's medium, right? It was all mm-hmm. the, it was a it was Colin. Uh, although he's a great writer and he would write his own monologues and stuff. But the it was all about the four comics who were on sparring. the show with Colin, right? Yeah, yes, it's like exactly. a sparring thing. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but this was a this is a writer show. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know? And it was incredibly intimidating. I I uh, 
up and almost just until recently had imposter syndrome. And then I got it again because when um when we when we started we dropped the monologue, I was like, mm. what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> this, that's what I'm, you know, kind of good at. And um so uh yeah, the last year was like a revisiting some old anxieties. Um but uh it was terrifying, you know, and it and uh, I got I think I got a joke on the first show, his first show back, and I was so relieved, you know. Um, so uh, that helped, but yeah, uh, it, yeah, it was, it was just, um, it was like it, to, to me, it was like uh, being, a, you know, you being accepted in a school that you probably think you don't have the grades for. Yeah. <laughs> it's like why? <laughs> oh, that's a <laughs> what that is that is funny. <laughs> that is funny to think that like somehow that our show was like, <laughs> you, you know, I don't know, like the cordon, the cordon bleu, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know the, the show was MIT and I was a uh, community college material for sure. <laughs> like, whoa, man. Yeah. They're going to find out. How long did it take you to settle in? I mean, well, first of all, it, you were on The Tonight Show, so you were there for like, were you? No, no, you, no, no, just you TBS. Just a TBS. Yeah. Um, how long did it take you to settle in? Like, how long did you did you start to feel like, you know, okay, I'm I um, I'm I'm here and I'm here as long as I want to be and. Well, I never felt like that. Um, you know, yeah, you should have. Uh, I never felt I. It's not I a complacent like thing. It's not a complacent thing, but I do think that it's like I personally feel it's easier to be funny when you're not scared. And yeah, you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I felt like, um, yeah, I, I felt liked, and um, I, oddly enough, I didn't feel like I was an actual, actual funny. I felt as a person, as opposed to being a person who could maybe write some jokes for myself, I, I didn't feel like I was truly a funny person till uh, my dad died, and I started working with all that, and then I was like, oh, okay. So I, I, I w if I was able to do that, I probably have it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but it took a while. I had yeah. to lose a lot before I actually had any confidence in myself. So let's talk about that. Like in, you know, cause you did sort of, you know, you turned, you turned the death of your father into comedy and then you got to do it again with your mom <laughs> and uh -huh. during COVID on yeah. a fucking iPad. It was, a, yeah, you know, it was crazy. It was so crazy. And it, but it was, it was also too you know, like knowing you and, and, and watching this remotely happening mm -hmm. and just, you know, with my heart breaking for you and feeling terrible. And then you're being fucking hilarious through the whole thing, which is just, Thanks. it's no, it's, it's a, it's an enjoyable kind of crazy. It's, a, <laughs> it's like, it's like a, 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 what do you call it? A, 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 a useful bacteria. You know? <laughs> a probiotic. Yeah, yeah. It's like this this is actually it's you know, this thing is really fucked up, but look at it, it's getting all you know, it's it's making cheese. Uh, <laughs> you know. Um but yeah, tell me about that. Like your dad got sick and you know, did you go have to go back home for him? Yeah, I went I, I remember my dad like my dad had cancer and this is my first big death. Right. So I wasn't yeah. prepared for it. And I was still yeah. like, he's not going to die. Not my dad. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and in fact, the previous weekend before he went, his hospice started, he'd come down to LA and we, we drove to Joshua tree Oh wow! and you know, he's super weak and stuff, but, uh, you know, it's weird. Like you just think you, you your brain can't stop thinking they'll get better. 
yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Despite all the evidence. And uh, and then the next week, um, you know, my mom said, that, you know, the doctor wants dad to come home for hospice. And I told Sweeney, I'm like, is it okay if I go home this weekend? And he's like, you should leave now. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's helpful to have a, a boss that knows how quickly death can come, you yes. know? It, you know, you don't want some 24-year-old boss going, well, can't you do it next week? Right, yeah, so. Yeah. Tell him yeah. to hold on. <laughs> um, so uh, I was home for, I guess it was 10 days of hospice, I think, nine or 10 days. And, um, you know, it, it, if you've been through that, it's just yeah. a mind-blowing experience. My dad was conscious the entire time except for the last night and the next day, of course, he died. Um, so we were just able to give him the good death, right? We had family coming over. People were calling. People were visiting. Um yeah. It, it, you know, it, he got to hear everything a person should get to hear about how they affected people, mm-hmm. you know, a good person uh, at the end of his life, you know. And then at the at the very last three days, it was just like me, my sister, and my mom taking care of him, you know, and telling him everything, right, and ushering him off. And then uh, so when I was home, I wasn't going to do stand-up. I'll, you know, I had that desire. I'm like, oh, there's so many – there's so many <laughs> – my, I'm back in the Bay Area. Yeah, oh, yeah. so many clubs, you know, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to. Yeah, what if my, you know, I, I, I guess I was getting that my dad was dying, you know, and yeah, uh, yeah. maybe I don't want to be gone tonight, maybe. Um, so I just started, you know, jokes I would have tried that night at open mic. I, w- I just decided to tweet instead. And then that sort of took off on its own or Pat Oswald retweeted it. And then it took off. And then, then I, you know, then I was home for the duration. I wasn't going to leave and, uh, uh, so I just kept, you know, writing jokes through it because it it worked, and also. Um, but when you, know, you say it worked, what do you mean it worked? Like people people responded to it; they yeah. liked it, and uh, you know they weren't bombing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, I still needed that uh, something there. And, but when um, you say it, do you think it also worked, and that it just gave you something? You know, yeah, somewhere to channel this. Gave, yeah, give it, give myself a way to kind of like track what was happening you know yeah. and uh and cope uh, with it in the way that you know yeah. how to that you process things sure you know? i mean yeah. you know when you're writing the monologue you're writing at least 30 jokes a day so it's just sort of you know it's just sort of a, a muscle get used yeah. to doing all the time and um uh and also uh you know when people started you know replying or responding it was all like you know stuff we could tell my dad like you know he he was like an old catholic prayer beliefs in prayer some you know we'd be like oh these people are praying for you these people are from australia and we just kind of showed him all that stuff and i think i i think that made him feel you know it just added to the perhaps you know feeling that he was you know being cared for on this journey yeah yeah probably got him into heaven too i hope if so. you hadn't gotten those <laughs> if people on twitter to pray but I bet up up in heaven they're like, hey, shit, we gotta let this guy in here. Let this put Martin in here. <laughs> he got fifteen thousand Facebook <laughs> likes. You can come in. You can come in. <laughs> now this turned into a special and a book, right? Yeah, I did it. I I because I, I, I started doing these jokes about my dad dying in the middle of my act, like a club act, like you know, in Tucson. I was at, at laughs in Tucson, and I doing my regular. You know, I talk a lot about parenting and you know just all the stuff, mm-hmm. the daily stuff we all go through. And then I'm like, and then my dad died, and da 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 da. And you know, it, it's it's such a shift. Uh, 
for for people that just you know came out to comedy with their group on <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. or whatever and i realized well you know i'd love bachelor to bachelor like, parties yes yes <laughs> yes yes vibrators on a table yeah yeah, yeah. Vib- bachelorette, bachelorette parties, parties. Say, yeah, yeah. yeah so um i i thought well I, you know i have you know a growing chunk of material that People are either they really like it or this is not what they came for. Yeah. And uh, so I thought, let me just do a separate show, you mm-hmm. know, with spe- and and I decided to do a special to kind of pressure myself. And then I had a then that was made me write a lot more stuff. And I took it out to a couple of little black box theaters and little places that would let me. And um, I called it 45 jokes about my dead dad. So everyone would know there would be no, hey, I, I came here for dick jokes. You yeah, know? yeah. Although I had some dick jokes in there. Sure, of course. Um, Your yeah, dad had a dick, you know, you might as well throw one in there. Exactly. I right. helped change his diaper. So, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I mean, I filmed it and CISO ended up buying it later on. And I, it's a, a CD as well. And then, uh, but, but before I filmed it, I spent a ton of money on it and I couldn't get a, anyone interested in it before CISO. And so I was like, God dang it. So um, I pitched a book. I'd already written a parenting book called Shitty Mom. Mm-hmm. And so I just called the, you know, this is a super casual pitch, but it was like, how about the shitty mom of grief? And it's, you know, just tiny chapters, a lot of jokes yeah. and stuff like that. And so, uh, you know, they said, uh, yeah, so I, I wrote that. And in the interim, CISO bought the special. So they kind of, there's different material in them. Yeah. 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 Um, and then, and like, did you, was there any worry that like you were going to now, like now this was going to be your thing? Like, you know, like, <laughs> like turning something terrible into comedy, you know, like you were going to become like, I don't, you know, the death comic, and then you're going to become the <laughs> war comic, and then the, you know, the genocide comic, you know? Um, nah, I don't know. I, I moved on from it pretty quickly yeah. when I was and, done and with I it. I guess it, it's just so personal, too. It's like, yeah, and, and then, you know, I'm not the only comic that's had dead family, you know. And, and I know a lot of people that talk about the dead people in their act. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's definitely, maybe if it was taboo 10 years ago or people didn't know how to do it or, or the audiences weren't ready for it. Yeah, yeah. I think now comedy audiences are sort of into all of it. And especially now after COVID, I think they're even more into it because yeah. all we've been talking about is death for sure, sure. a year. And then you, when your mom passed, uh, I mean, she passed a COVID and mm-hmm. you were very frustrated because it was awful circumstance. Didn't she like go into a rehab facility after a yeah, surgery? She lived with me and yeah. um, her hip popped out of her so- its socket. So uh, she had to go to the hospital to get that not only put in, but they, there's other stuff going on. She wasn't in yeah. great health. Yeah. So she stayed there for a week. And then they, they said to your mom needs to go to skilled nursing facility, which is sort of, they are often combined with nursing homes mm-hmm. uh, just to rehab, to learn to walk again, yep. you know, cause she had been laying down for a week straight and uh, she had like, I don't know, two tissues of muscle in her entire body <laughs> and they were <laughs> unable to get her to do things. So, yeah. So she was supposed to just be there for about a week, and um, COVID uh, swept through this place. Mm. It was the, <clears throat> it was an Eagle Rock. It was uh, it was called the York. I don't know, whatever. Um, and she got it, and they told me on Thursday, the uh, June eleventh, that she tested positive, and that they were ten- taking her to Huntington Hospital in Pasadena. And I got in the car and I tried to intercept at Huntington, you know, the ambulance, which I obviously didn't. 
Um, and uh, then what she were you going to do? Were you going to try and just bring her home or something? I don't or? know. I thought maybe I could talk to her. I didn't know she was unconscious. Oh, um, uh, you know, like that the the nursing facility she was in, she had been in them before. She's always getting surgeries and rehabbing and we all, they're always, they always suck. Right. You're always, you're, you're, you're put in a room with someone who's insane. And so my mom, I'm used to her complaining about, you know, the nursing facility. Right. So, so she spent the last week of her life doing that again. And, you know, it, this facility, like all of them kind of sucked. And I, I, that's a separate thing. I don't, I don't, I don't know why they all suck. Like, why can't there be a good, I, I just don't know. But, um, uh, so I, you know, I'm, uh, my, my huge anger is that the last week of her life sucked, you know, like she was in this, in this awful place and they weren't responding to her. You know, she would tell me that, you know, they, they need to get this thing and this thing. And I would, try and call my sister would call we yell at them and stuff like that but we can't go visit you know the other times i she'd been like in a, a nursing facility go in say hi you know put in some facetime just go this is my mom i'll stop by again tomorrow you know almost yeah, like just letting yeah. them know she has someone that's watching yeah and obviously we weren't allowed no one was allowed in so we didn't know what was going on in there it sounded like a mess and i'm like oh just get her home she'll be home soon and of course she wasn't so yeah it was yeah. it, it was pretty it was pretty bad. I wish I wish I had been able to bust in there, and you know just just go get her an extension cord. Yeah, <laughs> like she needed that for her phone. Yeah, yeah. And then and so I had to call in the landline, and they would never pick up, and just just stuff where you're like, ah. Oh. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's it was it was also too. I think it like it was kind of important that you know like it was a it was. It was a well watched and well uh I mean why well I mean lots of people saw this reality of what was happening, and I think that it was it was sort of i know for me it was kind of sobering about like, oh yes, yeah, shit, Jesus, and how fast it happened and and mm-hmm. how frustrating it was and how and also you know i mean it and on one hand, you're like nobody knows. You know, the facility, you know, made mistakes, but it, you know, there's also kind of like, well, who knows what's right and what's wrong and who's, you know, who's mm-hmm. figured out what the actual protocols of these things. And, you know, it, you well, know, it's like yeah. it's like when Conan went to I mean, it's, it's certainly from something important to something silly. But when I <laughs> when I went, you know, like when they had me, I finally got to go to the theater uh, Largo when he'd been doing shows there about a month and they just wouldn't let me in because like they couldn't have another person in because right. who knew? And then it's like, Oh, okay. You know, yeah. well, I guess we can. And then we did. And, you know, we were pretty careful. Um, well, it's, it's like with the nursing homes, you know, I now like Gavin Newsom, you know, uh, I blame Trump, but Gavin Newsom did open up California over Memorial Day. And that's yeah. kind of the incubation period where somebody got it and worked with my mom and gave it to my mom. Now, the people that work in nursing facilities, you know, they're they're not paid well. They work multiple places, you know, so they're doing hodgepodge. So they're ex- being exposed to more people than if they, you know, were able to work in one facility only. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's just not 
it's it's really poorly structured for a an airborne virus that targets it, you know that really is deadly for the elderly. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's yeah. It's just handing it to them basically. Well, hopefully it won't. Well, I mean, we know what we're doing now. Hopefully, I mean, so when the next one comes, which I don't think will be a hundred years, at least yeah. you know what I mean. It's just I don't know. I just. I shouldn't go down that road because I'm not feeling <laughs> particularly optimistic these days. But I, I wish, had I known, I would have, I would have said after the hospitalization, bring my mom home and we'll have a nurse come in and take care of her. Yeah. But I thought having a nurse come in was more dangerous because I thought, well, they know what they're doing now. This is this is June. Like I get how no one knew in March, but they know what to do yeah, now. It's yeah. June. I see. I understand. And they didn't do. They didn't do the. The, what they're supposed to do, which is be extra careful. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm sorry your parents are dead. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. I sure, appreciate no that. problem. <laughs> um, well, now I I do want to, you know, I've kept you here for over an hour now. I just then I, I want to get to the you know the next step of these questions, and that's oh, yeah. uh, where are you going? Like, what do you? All right, do you have any plans? I mean, do you? Um, and, you know, and, and the work stuff is one thing, but, you know, like with your boy, you, you know. My overall, I'm working on a novel very slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, yeah. Um, and. Do you like my, that? Do you like doing it? I like it when I'm doing it. The, yeah. the, the hours were, I think, why aren't you working on this thing are hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it's sort of like a, a, a fictional account of the last year of living, you know, with my mom and my son and I in a very small house um, and we can't leave the house and mm-hmm. my son's father's living in the garage. So oh, that, wow. that was, that was my conditions for a while. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, so it's a fictionalized version of that, you know? Yeah, so yeah. it's, so it's taken a, a while because I, you know, it's not, I have to, fictionalize it. I, yeah, I don't want yeah. it to be exactly. And then I also don't want to, I sometimes I get lost in, you know, grief or whatever. And I have to like turn that off and just write it. But, yeah. um, so yeah. And then, you know, I just, uh, I want to, my son has four more years of high, four years of high school coming up and mm-hmm. I want to see a lot of it, you know? And, yeah. um, uh, I, I don't know how, what's going to happen after that. I don't know if he's going to go away to college or stick around here or, Until he's 34. Yeah. You know, I I would be like my dad. That's fine. I'll keep your room. You know, you can do whatever you want. I don't care. Um, But I, I, I want to see as much as, uh, as much as I can. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I, 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 I am trying to make my house prettier because I feel like I will be stuck in it, you know, a little bit. So that, yeah. Other, otherwise I don't, I, I don't know. It's all sort of up in the open right now. Would you, uh, like, if somebody came along with another monologue writing job right now, would you go ahead and say yes? You know? I like writing jokes. Yeah. You know, to me, um, I know, like, um, Jose's, like, I wa- Jose Arroyo's, like, a, such a talented writer. Yeah. On, on our show. Yeah. Like, and one of our, like, you know, if there was a bar graph about just contribution, I think. Oh, my God. His would be one of the 
biggest bars. Yes. And he can do both sketch and mono yeah. equally well. I yeah. mean, he's so good. And he, you know, is is going now for story, and um, he's going to be great at it, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I still, I still, I loved my routine of writing monologue jokes for Conan and then writing jokes for myself at night. And yeah. I, I really liked it, and maybe I'm not as gifted, <laughs> you know? Maybe I can shit out this novel separately, but I really liked that um it one made the other better, yeah. And they both they both made the other better. Yeah. And I really I really felt like I knew I was lucky when I was doing it that I had the my day job uh, was writing jokes and my night job was telling jokes. And I knew I was really lucky when I had that. And yeah. I, so yeah, I, I if I had that again, that would be awesome. Another yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. You seem to thrive under structures. Uh, <laughs> I do. I guess. You know. I know. I, I mean, I, I do too. Left to my own devices. I'm a, I don't know what the fuck to do with myself. So I have to even like invent some structure sometimes. I know like 24 hours when you don't have, when it's like open, it, 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 it they, I get nothing done. But when I, I mean, it, when, a, you know, when you give some, a busy person something new, it gets done. Yes. I mean, yes. That, yeah. That Absolutely. Like that yeah. Too. No, I know if I have like a three hour window and there's things that need to be done. I will get them done in that three-hour window, whereas if I have a whole day, I'll be like, yeah, eh, Price is Right is on. Uh, <laughs> well, the last of these uh, of the questions of this podcast are, uh, what have you learned? And I mean, do you have, I mean, you, you, you know, there's quite a lot of life in there and quite a lot of death, too. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering, like, you know, do you get, like, advice questions or... Do you feel like there's some way you've summed it up? Gosh, I don't know. I I I feel like I'm still uh I still haven't figured it out yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I mean, it's all going so quickly, you know, and uh I I guess I should know I should know more right now, you know, but part of me is like, I still feel 19 and I still just want my next joke to work. And I, and this one joke that isn't working and I know is good and what's wrong with that. I mean, I, I still love solving that little puzzle, that yeah. problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, 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 so I, I don't know, maybe I've learned that um, I'm not, get a change in the way I thought it would change magically somehow. Yeah. Like maybe the person I was when I was 19 is probably about 90% of the person I am now, yeah. you know, and maybe I should stop waiting for this, this, uh, I idea of a t- complete and total transformation. I <laughs> am right there. That is like so true. And I fucking hate it. <laughs> I, yeah. And I mean, cause I see it in myself where I, you know, I have the list of, of improvements, you know, mm-hmm. that I, uh, and the list of things I should be doing. And, and I mean, I chip away at them a little bit here and there. And as, I, as time goes on, it gets a little better, you know, I get kind of more of a handle on it, you know, and then huge upheavals in my life in the last few years have kind of reconfigured everything anyway. But I still do feel like, yeah, like this picture you have of you when you get it all together, like, honey, I think that's a fake. I don't think that's, I don't think that's going to happen. So you better think of like 
what is now plus like, I don't know, maybe 10% improvement. <laughs> yeah, and, maybe. and that's, that's what I'm going to be going into the ground with. And yes. I hate it. Yeah. You know, cause I've been mm-hmm. around for so fucking long with this goddamn to do list. Yeah. And I just la da, you know, my way through it, but I don't know. I guess it's the work in that is the, is the hating it, you know, is the not hating it. Learning to not hate it, learning it to be like, well, sorry, babe, that's how it goes. That's that's yeah. life. And you're not special in terms yeah. of this particular aspect of it. So anyway, people, you're not going to change that much. Get used to <laughs> what you see in front of you in the mirror. Yes, except except this this version of yourself. It's yeah, probably yeah. the best one. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> and also, too, the po- but the point is, too. It's still pretty good. It's, I mean, unless you're a fucking serial killer or a monster or something, mm-hmm. you know, what you see in the mirror is probably pretty good. You know, there's no reason to be so mean. I find like I'm so mean to my, so much more mean to myself than I am to anybody else. And I just, mm-hmm. I really lately have been trying to like make the simple step of talking to myself the way that I would talk to somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, like in terms of like Josh Gondelman. You know, the, the yeah, I love yeah. him. Oh, he's so funny. He it was just a tweet one day that he said, he said, if there's something that some advice that you need to hear or if you're, you know, like there's some improvement you want to make, talk, tell yourself what you should do the way that you would tell a friend that advice who is in that same situation. And it was it's such good advice. And it's such like, I think, like a powerful thing, because we're always going to tell our friends you know, well, just give it some time and don't worry about it so much. And whereas like to me, I would be like, way to go, fucker, you know, yeah. way to go, fatso. You did it again, you know, mm-hmm. just and I would never say that to anybody else. I wouldn't even oh, dream yeah. of saying that to anybody else. Yeah. You, know? you, you got to figure at your funeral, most people will have good things to say. Yeah. Right? yeah. And that's yeah. not bad. That's not bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and especially if you're like really good and old. <laughs> All right, Lori. Well, it was good to see you and, yeah, it was great uh, and to talk see you. to you. And uh, and I, I'm sure I'm sure there's going to be some kind of, you know, Conan show soiree. You know, maybe I hope some, so. Yeah. Or, or we'll just bump into each other at Ralph's or uh, Whole Foods or something. <laughs> That's right. Smart That's and right. final. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or you know, we'll be. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll start doing stand up just to make people like you furious. <laughs> God damn it. Why are sketch people doing it? Why? (laughs) You'll be opening for me and I'll be like, I don't even know what I'm doing. All right. Well, you have a good summer and I will talk to you soon. And thank all of you out there for listening to another episode of the three questions. We'll be back next week. I've got a big, big love. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It is produced by Lane Gerbig, engineered by Marina Pice, and talent produced by Galitza Hayek. The associate producer is Jen Samples, supervising producer Aaron Blayert, and executive producers Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Make sure to rate and review The Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. Can't you tell my love's a growing? This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? 
Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.